Welcome, welcome, everybody, to Ranking the Beatles number 35 in lieu of our normal uh, operations where I uh, grace you with a lovely Beatle-themed tune. Our guest this week has prepared a little ditty for your enjoyment. We're ranking Beatles songs. Ringo, Paul, George, and John Phil Spector's dead. (laughs) (laughs) I can't finish. That's all that it is. I love that. (laughs) Just he's dead. (laughs) Cheers to that. (laughs) So usually, folks, we uh, we typically have musicians or producers or actors or writers or people on like that on the show. Uh, but we were thinking that given what we've gone through in the last few years, especially over the last year, uh, it might be a good time to put a little bit of light on people in the field of science as well. Uh, so our guest today is a New Orleans native, currently a Ph.D. candidate who in the near future will be defending her dissertation on immunopathology of persons living with HIV. I just thought of that at the top of my head. I didn't read that, I promise. Um, <laughs> She's also a dabbler in the arts, a, uh, a vocalist, as you have heard, uh, a painter, does a fair bit of singing on the side, a mean Shakira and a, mere sh- a mean Cher impression. Uh, well, so she's a full on Renaissance woman like Tanya Harding. <laughs> Not unlike Queen Tanya. <laughs> Not unlike Tanya Harding. So everyone, please welcome to the show uh, the wonderful uh, Julia's cousin also, uh, <laughs> Celeste Fire. <laughs> yeah. Welcome Woo. to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm wonderful. Two hours of sleep, so feeling really good. <laughs> what? Why so it's little fine. sleep? It's the science world. Also, I had like a rage Is cocaine about Tom Brady. popular in the science world? Like to stay up and do research all night? There's some things I can't comment on sure. the record. <laughs> what happens in the I lab stays in the lab. I personally do not rely on any stimulants <laughs> besides caffeine. And alcohol. That's not a stimulant. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) See, I don't know anything about science. That's why. Not good at science. I'm not a good science man. (laughs) That's okay. That's true. Not a good science. I'm thinking of a t shirt that says, not a good good science science man. man. (laughs) The back says, I'm with science, bitch. (laughs) You are a true science bitch. I actually wanted to say, riding with science, bitch. (laughs) Absolutely. The accurate wording for that. (laughs) Uh, I, I think we're on to something here. I, I put the call out. New merch. <laughs> It'll be available on Teespring uh, very shortly. So pick up your own Not a Good Science Man ranking the Beatles shirt or Science Bitch ranking the Beatles shirt. Whatever floats your boat. Uh, how are you both this week? Julia, I know the answer. It's Monday and you're tired. Not to, not to take the wind out of your from It's Tuesday and I'm tired or it's Wednesday and I'm tired. Yeah. Every day and I'm tired. No, nothing is different. I am always tired. I am basically a koala bear. Monday, you are tired. Tuesday, Wednesday, still tired. Thursday, still tired as well. It's Friday. You're still tired. I'm going to start a podcast. It's called I'm Tired. And every day I just like record how tired I am. And it's only like five minutes. Going through the catalog in the last week. I found myself repeating, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Just, that should be your number one. It's a pretty good one. 
Yeah. You're yawning. <laughs> You're yawning right now. Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yawning. Shut up. Makes other people yawn. Well, if you have empathy, supposedly, oh. because of your mirror neurons. You didn't yawn. If you you didn't. <laughs> yeah, supposedly the more empathetic you are, the more susceptible you are to yawning when you see someone else yawn because the mirror neurons in you are activated when when you witness that. So if I yawn and mm-hmm. someone sees me and doesn't yawn, yeah, I can away. just yell at them and be like, "You're a monster." <laughs> um, I am not saying it's a litmus test, but it's definitely it's a litmus certainly test. Certainly something to put on a pro cons list. Yeah. In terms of like what you're looking for in a partner, just maybe a anyone good really surrounding yourself. Should with... I have time for this person? <laughs> yeah. Empathy, mm, pretty yeah. good. Uh, just make a real big yawn yeah. in front of that person, and if they stare at you blankly and have no <laughs> change in expression, it's a little just little um... walk away. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um, I wanted to ask you because most of the people that we know that have said, "Hey." I want to be on this podcast <laughs> are Beatles nerds, mm-hmm. musicians, people who like who have an obvious connection yeah. to the group. So I'm curious, uh, what is your relationship with the Beatles? How did they like, when did you first discover the band? So I guess like a lot of people have answered previously they're They've just always been there. Um, I remember, I think my first like, true introduction to them with full realization that it was the Beatles was in fifth grade. Okay. Um, we had a textbook in Miss Neebles class. She shout out Neebs. She, she's dead. Miss Neebs. <laughs> RIP. Very recently though, but she was, out for my homie, she was a great Neebs. fifth grader pouring some out for Miss Neebs. Um, she was a big Beatles fan and she was just thrilled that the Beatles were featured in whatever English textbook we had. Oh. And lovely. it was the lyrics to help. I still remember it. I remember the layout of the page. It was them on stage and mm-hmm. it was like a back what I don't know what you call it. The text was on top of the picture. Okay. Um and it was them on stage and then the text was in white on the, fore- on the right fr- side the of the foreground page. of the photo. They were in the background of oh, the photo. Oh. Okay, okay, I got you. I got you. That's not important. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, and she played the record for us as we mm. read the lyrics to help. We didn't dissect the lyrics in fifth grade, but I remember that being like the first time I was aware that things were the Beatles um, because they were in everything. Like I had so many movies that I used to love to mm-hmm. watch that they were they had songs on the soundtracks and I just like didn't realize it was them. I just had always known those songs mm-hmm. like true Beverly Hills has when I'm 64 in one part. <laughs> true <laughs> Beverly Hills. Shelly wow. Long. What a goddess. I haven't seen that in forever. It's so good. Also your girl from Jenny Lewis. She was. A she true... was uh, Jenny Lewis. She was Shelly from Jenny Long's Lewis. daughter in that movie. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, from Jenny Lewis. Jenny I was Lewis like, she's Jenny from Lewis that fame. band of Jenny <laughs> Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I haven't, I totally forgot about the movie. I haven't seen that in years. Mm-hmm. Nice. But st- I used to watch it all the time and I yeah. knew that song so well because I had seen the movie so many times. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Parent Trap had Here Comes the Sun in it. Not I, the original, the Lindsay Lohan didn't version. Didn't see it. Big fan. I'd aged out. Yeah. You were, yeah. It's probably in She college. was a fashion icon for me at that time. <laughs> 97, 98, big year for me. 
Well, I feel like that was probably like a an aspect of growing up for a lot of us, like especially people who were born like post Beatles, mm-hmm. like their songs being in movies and you knew the songs before you knew the Beatles. Right. Yeah. And like Ferris Bueller, but that I had seen mm-hmm. that movie after fifth grade. So I mm-hmm. was like, yeah, OK, I know who that is now. But yeah, in all the movies, you were just like, oh, OK. Yeah, like I know that song, and then later on, you're like listening to the radio, and they're like, "That was when I'm 64 by the Beatles," and you're like, "Oh, oh, the Beatles. That was yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay." And then that happens like ten times, and you're like, "Man, these those guys like had some good songs. They're pretty <laughs> popular, huh? Huh, <Yeah>. mom?" <laughs> well, so that is why when I really got into their music, like intentionally mm-hmm. was after 2007 when across the universe came out and i watched that movie and i was like no way these are all beatles songs <laughs> and they very much are and i didn't know that but when jim sturgis sang them Sturge. straight to me looked me in the eye <laughs> and said Into celeste this is for you and you melted into a, a puddle. Oh my god! Yeah, I sure did. I looked him up. He got married two years ago. That's Ugh, whatever. Bastard. Anyway, um, you bastard. He was waiting <laughs> for you. Bastard. I wasn't ready. It's fine. I'm sorry. I also really took an interest in the Beatles catalog after that movie because Evan Rachel Wood sang the song so beautifully. And I think that my register is very similar to hers. Mm -hmm. So I was singing the songs in her style from the soundtrack. And I was like, all right, I just need to like get the albums. So instead of buying 14 separate CDs from Best Buy with my Christmas gift card, (laughs) (laughs) I, Bought the anthologies, um, thinking, because I'm a moron, that it was just (laughs) all of their studio Mm -hmm. albums compiled. Okay. It was not. Right. (laughs) Um, Which, but I'm so glad that I did get the anthologies because that is where I really learned about their personalities. Because before that, I was just like, okay, they're old and old people (laughs) like them and it's old. I get it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but listening to them and and things that were left out of the studio albums on the anthology series um, was just I I felt their humor for the first time and I was like oh man they're fucking funny who knew <laughs> so I loved them ever since nice. I'm not like I'm more of a Julia fan like I'm cash I'm a casual fan sure, sure. but I did have a much greater appreciation for them after the anthology. I feel like you're like midway between us though that's because pr- yeah, I haven't true. listened to the anthology. <laughs> You've <laughs> definitely done more than me. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll have you fall in between us. Yeah, somewhere not quite as casual as me, but not quite as obsessive as Jonathan. I more don't willing think I to ever. dip her toe Who has in the, the pool time? though. <laughs> oh well, I mean, <laughs> she listened to the whole catalog in the last week. You've been on this podcast for like eight months. More wine, Jules? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, that's accurate. (laughs) So whatever. I think it puts you in a really interesting place where like the anthology is like your entry point. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for everybody that we've ever had on the show, there's always been like 
one like specific album or song. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to enter like the world of like outtakes and dicking around and like fuck ups is mm-hmm. kind of a fun way to enter. It was very fun. Um, and one specific fuck up led me to this particular podcast episode. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, I think that's, that's great though, because like one of the things about those compilations is like, it really presents how fun they were mm-hmm. and how much fun they had. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, you know, a live track where like John's, you know, just making jokes during the intro. And it all, we'd like to carry on with it. It's the last number. We'd like to thank you all for being so wonderful. <laughs> and it's called Help. One, two, three, four. Help. Or, you know, uh, the like the version of like and your bird can sing that's on there where like they're probably just high as kites and yeah. can't think of the words so they're just giggling like idiots the whole time I love that track. Are you telling me? That the Beatles did drugs? <laughs> they may have been known to imbibe. <clears throat> partake in a... Unbelievable. Yikes. A little something something. Yeah? What? I know that we're joking, but they <laughs> really loud. did get into drugs so early. People don't recognize this, but when they were still, before recording any studio album, they were taking like... Preludin, I think, mm-hmm. was the stimulant they were taking. Yeah. It's basically Adderall, which is a type of amphetamine. Um, that particular drug causes the same kind of addictive, obviously the same kind of addictive properties as amphetamines, including MDMA or ecstasy and methamphetamine. Wow. And if you are taking this stimulant, for recreational purposes, which means you're taking at much higher doses than normal or would be prescribed, that is affecting a particular gene in the your your neural cells um, in your brain. That if once it starts um, being exposed on the surface of that cell, it's like a positive feedback loop. So if you started with, like, an Adderall, you could very easily switch into other drugs like ecstasy and methamphetamine, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's called FOSB. Delta FOSB is the gene. But it's, like, it's this, like, master controller of your reward system. Huh. And that they're, that particular, you know, no one really bats an eye at them taking a stimulant yeah. to stay awake and do all of their shows in Hamburg or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really was probably the beginning of them ad- being adventurous various, with drugs. Yeah. Various levels of addiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Cause you know, I think they present it as, um, you know, it was like the German sailors gave it to them, you know, so they could play these like seven hour sets. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, they're like, Oh, it's as safe as a couple cups of coffee. And then, like, George is like, we were foaming at the mouth. Oh, my Just gosh. Like, ah. and they'd play, like, you know, roll over Beethoven for 20 minutes at, like, breakneck speed. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're just speeding out of their minds. And um, Germans had fun names for a lot of very serious drugs. Yeah. <laughs> like, they 
also in World War Two, German tank chocolate sounds like something very fun and like innocent. Sounds like doo doo. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it's meth. Score. Yikes. So nice. awesome. It's definitely a stimulant, and it was for the same reason to keep them awake yeah. in combat times. But the Germans, <laughs> nice and level headed. There's this great picture I'll have to find for y'all, <laughs> and it's um, it's John Paul. Uh, Pete Best, I forget who else is in it, but they're all holding um, like little cans of like poppers. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. And they're all Nitrites. like, just, like their eyes are huge, and they're all just got these like shitty grins because like they've probably just been like popping you know speed pills and doing poppers for like hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they, they just all look awful. They used to, um, before they knew what HIV was, they noticed that it was more common in the gay populations um, of America at the very least and they used to attribute the spread of HIV to poppers really because poppers were so common in parties in the gay scene that they were like well we don't really know what's well, causing this, it this but it's got to be yeah it's obviously on, not. That is not on, why. like, sneakers. Well, they're all wearing sneakers. Yeah. It was very... That's poor science. It That's was, my kind of science. It was Reagan <laughs> science. Not a good science man. Uh, it was Reagan administration science. Reagan science. Yeah. Again, not a good science man. Not a good science man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting, you know, and John, at some point in an interview, said, you know, he'd always needed some kind of drug to be functional. Um I believe him because I mean, they he were, had a dependence. They were drinking, you know, at young, young ages. When Paul and John met, John was, like, hammered, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes total sense, you know. I mean, he, at one point, you know, was into heroin and, you know, ate, you know, copious amounts of acid in 67. Mm-hmm. Um, Ringo was an alcoholic. You know, Paul and George both had, you know, longer, quieter kind of, you know, issues with it. Um, yeah, that's really interesting that like that particular drug can be such a, a gateway drug <laughs> for, for lack of better term. Well, it's funny because weed, a very commonly referenced gateway drug was the Beatles gateway drug <laughs> to like other classes of drugs. Yeah. I mean, after the prelude in which we know they did in in the very early years yeah. but after bob dylan introduced them to weed in 1964 um they it was like skyrocketing from there yeah. and i had before i had kind of looked up their drug history because i knew that they had gotten into psychedelics in the later part of the 60s mm-hmm. um but before i realized that listening to the catalog and like it was just before rubber soul they were doing all the like doo-wop stuff and covers and very like happy-go-lucky kind of early beatles early beatles yeah, yeah. and then you get to rubber soul and it's just like a different band mm-hmm. and it was so obvious to me and then of course reading critical reviews mm-hmm. of the albums they were like yeah 65 rubber soul that was the weed album yeah and i was like <laughs> i could tell yeah <laughs> And it's it, even like the cover of that album just oh yeah it's very green yeah. you know yeah <laughs> they all look like they they're probably holding like they're probably all baked and yeah yeah 
if you ever watched uh, the movie Help, which was filmed the same year in 65. I haven't seen any of their movies. Oh, dude, we should totally I do know. that. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a fun day. Um, yeah, they're all baked throughout Help. And, like, admittedly so. There's, like, one scene where, like, you know, they're, like, being attacked by, or they're being chased by some form of, you know, uh, religious cult-esque figures. Um, and, like, John and Paul, or, uh, sorry, Paul and George have to, like, run off camera. And, like, they, t- they talk about in the anthology movie how, like, they ran off camera and they just kept running. <laughs> And then they ran behind a tree, like took ten minutes, and like, smoked a J and just did their thing. <laughs> they were like high the oh whole film. <laughs> so, uh, so, like scale of one to ten, where do you put yourself as a Beatles fan? Oh gosh. Um. Okay. I guess I would go with like a six point five. Okay. Can you half numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. That'll work. That'll work. So, how do you make the t- how do you make the ch- the switch from Youthful juvenility to Is that a word? I just made it one. Okay. Uh, to a science bitch. Shame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please don't be offended, listeners, by my calling her a science bitch. That's that's it's a, that's it's a, a joke engine. we have. It's a joke. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, but t- uh, talk a little bit about what it is you do because I think it's interesting that um, you know most of our guests are not in science scientific field, yeah. obviously. Um, and what you do is very interesting and specialized. So, well, if they didn't already turn this off when I talked <laughs> about mirror neurons. Um, so essentially my project, like you said, is on immunopathology of persons living with HIV. And what that means is persons living with HIV are HIV infected individuals who are not progressing to AIDS with, the help of antiretroviral therapy and that is a combination of drugs that um, reduces viral load usually to an undetectable level and it restores their cd4 t-cell count cd4 t-cells being the primary target of hiv Um, but these individuals have an exceedingly high risk of cancer compared to their uninfected age-matched counterparts. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to figure out why. And not only do they have a higher incidence of cancer in AIDS-defining and non-AIDS-defining cancers, um, they often die from them more when they do have them than, again, their uninfected age-matched counterparts. So... We believe given the range of cancers they are at such a high risk for, there's something still off about their immune system. Mm -hmm. So CD4 T cells are part of the adaptive immune system. I'm studying the innate immune system. If the immune system is one big umbrella and there are two major parts of it, they're very intertwined, but I'm studying more of the... Um, non-specific, very fast reaction Im- immunity, whereas CD4 T cells are part of the adaptive immunity that come a little bit later on once they get messages from the innate immune system. Mm-hmm. So we're studying a specific cell type in the innate immune system that um, we believe that they're imprinted, although they're not directly infected with HIV, something about the infection of 
their body systemically or the drugs that they're taking to control this or co-infections, comorbidities, behavioral aspects like binge drinking or drug use, etc. Um, all of these things can alter their DNA epigenetically. And that just means there's an imprint. So you have your DNA, but then there are all of these factors attached to your DNA that can be altered in different environments. Mm -hmm. And we think that something is altering these epigenetic factors in their DNA that's causing them to have altered reactions to certain stimuli. And that altered reaction is causing this pro-inflammatory environment leading to tumor development in all parts of the body because the cells that we study move systemically in blood circulation. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's really fascinating, and I, I feel really lucky to have the patient cohort in New Orleans that we have. It is very unique mm -hmm. um, because you hear reports of, you know, HIV infection has gone down, persons dying of AIDS progression has gone down significantly since the introduc introduction of antiretrovirals in 1996. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a drug before that starting in 1987 called AZT. It was initially for cancer mm -hmm. um, treatment, but it gave them such awful side effects. The first pharmaceutical company who offered it was offering it for $10,000 a year. Jesus. There was no help from the Reagan administration, obviously. He didn't even recognize the pandemic that was HIV mm -hmm. that came to light in America in 1980. He did not recognize it until 1987. Mm -hmm. And it was only after, like, straight white celebrity men were infected right. that he started to give a shit at all. Right. Um, and still, it took so much grassroots, no pun intended, <laughs> um, so much grassroots organization to really help people who were affected by this disease and get these antiretrovirals on the market, um, as well as drug treatments for the co-infections that were so common and still are very common in this population of individuals. And um, that it, it affects marginalized groups and minorities so much more than it affects people of better means at mm -hmm. this point still. So in New Orleans... And we I, see the same thing with COVID. Oh, definitely. And it's like... It's funny because it's almost like we've learned absolutely nothing mm -hmm. because it's taken the government so long, took the government so long to like admit that it was a thing. And there are still people that deny that it's a thing. In fact, uh, a member of Congress died today who is like a COVID denier <laughs> and he like died from it today. Yeah. I'm like, why are we still doing this? It's and it affects yeah. marginalized communities mm -hmm. much more. And you know what's crazy about that, too, is there is no biological evidence of race being a factor aside from socioeconomic, like, disparities. Mm -hmm. Race as a biological means of medical testing, medical treatment, et cetera, it doesn't exist. When you do the 23andMe tests, those are not based on race. It is based on geography and socioeconomics. Mm -hmm. 
and people think that it's based on race because it's easy to categorize things that way if you're just like oh it's middle eastern or whatever um and sure it could be middle eastern but you may not be predisposed to the same diseases that other middle easterners were because your family descended from certain people of wealth or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and that's where the epigenetics that I was talking about, the factors that are part of your DNA that alter how your cells behave, that is what is affected by stress, which marginalized communities find a great deal more of Mm -hmm. than those of privilege. Um, Other factors like how much food you eat, exercise, all of these things can affect drug use, etc., all these things have such an important role in the way that your cells behave and thus the way your body behaves and reacts to different stimuli. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not a surprise that the marginalized community is suffering from COVID more, not because they are biologically predisposed to the virus any more than anyone else. Right. It's means, resources, access, um, to treatments, to healthcare, not, to information, yeah, to healthcare, to everything, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and it, even something as simple as like the ability to work from home. Oh yeah, you know, like how many of our, you know, comfortable slash wealthy. I'm not sure. I don't know that I would describe many of our friends as wealthy, but comfortable, sure. yeah, white friends are working from home and mm-hmm. have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that luxury. Yeah. You know, we're super lucky that I shouldn't say lucky. We're super privileged that we're able to do that. Yeah. And there's so many people that don't have that. And just that simple factor alone, right. having to go out into the world during a pandemic. Right. And then having to deal with privileged people who <laughs> don't want to wear a mask. Yeah. And don't care about infecting other people. It's infuriating. Completely infuriating. Yeah. It's also terrifying how many people in healthcare and the scientific community are buying into conspiracy theories or fear about the vaccine and vaccines because there are multiple forms of it. It's not just the mRNA vaccine. I've seen like a lot of people talking Mm -hmm. about that and you know, it's like Twitter, the internet. So it's like Mm -hmm. anecdotal, but like Mm -hmm. enough to where it's, bit concerning (laughs) yeah i've seen a lot of like pfizer and moderna just want to make money they could share their recipe if they wanted and then we would be out of this and i'm just like it's really i'm not here to go to bat for pharmaceutical companies they have done horrible things regarding the opioid crisis Mm -hmm. and so many other things insulin shouldn't cost 400 fucking dollars no. Um, well, and there is uh there is a problem with the fact that like taxpayers fund the government giving money to pharmaceutical companies to develop these drugs and then they turn around and sell them so for Pfizer astronomical. So Pfizer actually was self-funded in their development. Moderna was not. But Oh, that's right. You're right. Moderna yeah. also is not a huge company mm-hmm. and they had everything riding on this mRNA vaccine. It's mm-hmm. basically their patented. Oh, I don't know if it's patented yet, but it's their technology. Right. And I'm if, not just talking about the COVID vaccine. No, no, no. Though. I'm talking yeah. about like In as general, a whole. Yeah. Sure. Like I totally pharmaceutical get that. companies yeah. like 
they take money from the government to develop these drugs and then trademark them and then mm-hmm. turn on sell them for tons of money like way too much money and yeah. we're like but wait we paid for that why it's do awful. we yeah the whole ugh, i know it's a whole thing it's <laughs> it, it really is bad and but the it's also misleading because then people say oh pfizer and moderna could share this but they won't because they just want money and then people lose faith in the structure of the vaccine in the capability of the vaccine to protect them it feels like a cheap um, you know, fast, and it does seem quick. And compared to other vaccines, it is, but it's because it can be. Just the way that it's made doesn't require all of the same steps. It's not, there's no live virus that anyone is growing up and removing a spike protein from. They are mm-hmm. synthesizing this, and it's way faster than working with an infectious particle. And um, also, like, would you trust a vaccine that they were just like, hey, guys, here's the recipe. Like, This isn't like you king cake. Right. Like it's not king cake where you can just like, you know, like pull it up on Pinterest and yeah. like make your own. And like maybe you change a little like you use a little extra cinnamon because you're feeling saucy today. Like, no, this is like a vaccine that's like you're putting into your, like. Well, and yeah. the, you know, I, some people are saying like they should at least be able to share it with other pharmaceutical companies. But other pharmaceutical companies one, have not been working on this for 30 years the mm-hmm. way that Pfizer and Moderna have. They have all of the same basics that led to the development of these vaccines, but they don't have the experience. They don't have sometimes the resources and not just in terms of money. Um, like the technology. The technology. To and they it. could, I guess, in some instances, like turn their attention toward this and really focus on it but they're also still creating other drugs that people really need Mm -hmm. they can't just stop making insulin to make the covid vaccine and why would they when 20 to 40 percent of healthcare workers are turning it down so it's not just like a one simple solution thing um and beyond that pharmaceutical companies okay Pfizer and Moderna can hand them their proprietary recipe for this those companies are going to be like no boo you keep that we're going to make our own right because ours is going to be better and that is still a problem with a capitalist pharmaceutical industry Mm -hmm. but it's the reality that it's not one simple fix like Pfizer and Moderna aren't just in this for the money not that I am coming to their defense, but they're, you know, we have to be realistic about what's actually happening. Man, yeah. we are dropping all kinds of knowledge. So much knowledge. So the Beatles. So let's talk about the Beatles, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, um, let's, I want to pause for just a quick moment. Okay. I want to refill my beverage and Get then it. we're going to rank some Beatles. Shall Sounds we? Sounds good. All right. All right. We'll be right back. End of part one. Intermission. End of intermission. Part two. All right. We are back. Beverages in hand. Shall we go ahead and rank some Beatles? Sure. George, Paul, Ringo, John. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's top to bottom, but. I'm just kidding. Not what well, we're talking <laughs> For me to know and everyone to wonder forever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and do it. This week, coming in at number 182. Blink and you'll miss it. <laughs> is Rocky Raccoon. (laughs) 
Now somewhere in the black mining hills of Dakota There lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon And one day his woman ran off with another guy Hit young Rocky in the eye Rocky didn't like that He said, I'm gonna get that boy So one day he walked into town Booked himself a room in the local saloon Rocky Raccoon Checked into his room Only to find Gideon's Bible Rocky had come Equipped with a gun To shoot off the legs of his rival His rival, it seems Had broken his dreams By stealing the girl of his fancy Her name was McGill And she called herself Lil But everyone knew All right. Composition on Rocky Raccoon started while the Beatles were in Rishikesh studying with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. According to Paul, he, John, and singer-songwriter Donovan of Mellow Yellow, Sunshine Superman, and Hurdy Gurdy Man fame, among others, uh, were sitting around on the roof of their ashram, strumming guitars, and Paul started riffing on the idea, with the original name for the song being Rocky Sassoon. Like Vidal Sassoon. Wonder if Paul had nice, soft, flowing locks like a Vidal Sassoon on the bottom of his face. <laughs> I don't think he was a bearded Paul yet. He was at stubble, he wasn't. stubbly. Paul. No way, he was. It was 1968. But he's at stubbly Paul when they're in India. It still counts, Jonathan. I did a deep dive. <laughs> he doesn't have that full lush beard. That it's I not as love. lush That's as Julia and I would like. Yeah. Yeah. Not there yet. So. Uh, by the time the band got to demoing all their new tracks at George's house in May of 68, Paul had changed the name to Rocky Raccoon, and the story of a love triangle between Rocky, Lil, or Nancy, uh, last name McGill, however, however you call it, I don't know what the fuck her name is, honestly, it's confusing to me, uh, and Daniel, or Dan. Uh, the Doctor, however, had not yet been written into the story. So finally, on August 15, 1968, the band laid down nine takes of the backing track with Paul on acoustic guitar, John on bass, uh, Ringo on the drums, and producer George Martin on the old honky-tonk piano. Uh, George Harrison, for some reason, had been relegated to the control room. Uh, he had laid down some fine country licks on the original demo, but opted to set out the actual recording. Now, the intro verse and doctor verse apparently weren't finalized during tracking, and during multiple versions, Paul's chiming out different ideas, ad-libbing the intro, fumbling over ideas about the doctor. Uh, once Take Nine was complete, though, additional drums were added, as well as George Martin's piano track, which was recorded at half speed, then sped up to give it more of that western honky-tonk feel. Once Take Nine was complete, additional drums were added, as well as George Martin's piano track, which was recorded at half speed, then sped up to give it a western honky-tonk feel. Uh, harmony vocals from John, Paul, and George were added, and John's harmonica parts, which marked the final time John would play harmonica on a Beatles track. Uh, now, as the band had stopped performing live two years prior, they never did perform the track live, and to date, Paul has never played this song live in concert. Uh, so, why do I have Rocky Raccoon at 182? I've always had somewhat ambivalent feelings about this song. 
Um, I've seen people who've said this is top five for them, which is perplexing to me. Um, or it's their favorite Paul song. And while I'll never say that's wrong, I'm always just kind of surprised. Uh, we've talked in the past how the band had a knack for keeping uh, the element of humor in their songs. And normally I'm A-OK with that. I love humor. I love kind of that like fun vibe of, you know, nonchalantness that they're so good at. I think that six of six out of eight of Paul's tracks on the first disc of the white album are like humorous tongue in cheek pastiche pastiche tracks. Uh, you've got back in the USSR, Obladia Blada, Wild Honey Pie, Martha, my dear Rocky raccoon. And why don't you do, why don't we do it in the road? That's all in the first side a and B of the white album. And it's all like, you know, old cheeky Paul here with another funny song. And it's maybe a bit too much. I think by the time we get to Rocky, I'm kind of missing that Paul that like can throw out a yesterday Mm -hmm. or something with a bit more heft to it. Um, The verses can get a little bit repetitive melody wise. There's no real chorus, which is surprising because like Paul's the chorus guy. Um, And it's, it's, that's what makes it weird to me. People like play Rocky raccoon. Like what parts in your head about Rocky raccoon? Like where's the hook? Aside from like, I guess the doodle, 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 like that part. But otherwise, it's just kind of rambling. Uh, however, you know, they're I don't, huge fans of the Gideon's Bible. They are, yeah. <laughs> which we'll, we'll we'll talk about. That. Oh yeah. Um, I don't want to come off like I hate the song. You know, it does hit that kind of silly fun button, um, scratches that fun itch on its own, uh, and Paul's so over the top with the voice, with you know, the accents. You know, it's kind of hard not to enjoy it. Uh, I think George Martin's piano part is super on the nose. Like it feels like you're in a saloon, uh, especially in the, the newer mix that came out the other year. If you like put that on headphones, it's like, I feel like I'm drinking out of a jug that has like XXX <laughs> written on it. Uh, yeah. So when you compare it to Paul's other story tracks where he invents characters and storylines, you know, he doesn't seem to go the same distance in creating the track to match the story arc. And I think that's what keeps it, kind of one note for me we talked last week uh with sean nelson about backseat of my car and his ability to really create these amazing like story arcs and themes that move through different musical movements and ideas and this just kind of stays a little bit one note for me but that's not always a bad thing especially when it's the beatles that one note can typically be pretty damn good my two cents uh so i will now open the floor i love rocky raccoon and I'm looking at the Blotto Beatles guy right now who was like, it's the worst song ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand how it could be. And frankly, I fucking hate the Old West piano. The wow. I am not a fan of like any of the vaudeville scene whatsoever. So it is surprising that I love this song, but it has nostalgic quality to me. And I do love the storyline it's very when you asked me what other music i listened to i failed to mention country in that time that we just spoke about it mm-hmm. but i the 311 s- country album the 311 <laughs> do they have one <laughs> they should i look i'm a big fan of garth brooks my sisters growing up were all so into um martina mcbride faith hill era leanne rhymes um i was very That's into Busta's shania cousin. twain Stop it. <laughs> she just won that show. Um The Mask one. She was on Mask Singer? Yeah, dude, she won. Wow. She was incredible. Well, she's got a great voice. She really does. 
So I really, I grew up loving all of this kind of music from my sisters, mostly <laughs> listening to it first. Um, especially the Dixie Chicks or the Chicks. the Chicks. I also really love Natalie Maines, and I feel like she's another female singer whose register I fall into. On top of her being like, fuck you, Toby Keith. <laughs> Just get Forever. Wrecked. Get wrecked. <laughs> um, I really love country music, and... They have Toby such. Keith's not invited on this show. By no, way. fuck him. No. No. Garth Brooks or Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines was my first I'd intro to emo. I'd have Garth on. <laughs> I think it's hard to get Chris Gaines on here. Probably so. Garth, though, what a guy. Um, Showed up in his finest blue jeans. He really did. <laughs> his finest Wranglers. He, he had totally his did. fancy belt buckle on. Man, he'd been saving that thing. I <laughs> am not what you would call an LSU sorority girl, but if you put on Colin Baton Rouge in a bar, <laughs> oh, yeah. I will fuck it's it on. up. That's like 95% of Louisiana, though. Oh, yeah, like, it's, it's, so it's fine. Good. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's a lot it's of fun. nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. Like, but I just, I love the narrative that country music songs typically have. And Rocky mm-hmm. Raccoon absolutely falls into that category. Not, and the Beatles aren't strangers to a narrative, sure. right? Because they have She's Leaving Home. Um, Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby. I would even venture to say Norwegian Wood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was the first one that was truly, I mean, not just the folk pastiche accent (laughs) um it was truly a country narrative and i loved that about it because it was so strange to me because i had only known the beatles upon hearing this song i'd only known the beatles to be their very doo-wop-y not that they were ever embodying doo-wop completely because they were always kind of on the fringe of that rock Normalcy. and roll, R&B, yeah. 50s covers, yeah. yeah, like the old stuff. Right, and I like that stuff too, but this one just felt so weird and different to me, and I was like, I had no idea they had this in them. And then you get to the lyric about schminking of gin. <laughs> the doctor walked in, schminking of gin, <laughs> schminking, <laughs> proceeded to lie. On the table, he was really sminking God gin, and it did him in in the end. Poor guy. <laughs> I remember exactly and the first where time I was. You hear it is on the anthology, right? It was on the anthology, so I had yeah. never heard. It's a I different actually, intro. Yeah. Yeah. I. Again, I'm a moron, and I didn't know that there was another recording of that. <laughs> I thought that was the song, yeah. and I was like, this is fucking great. <laughs> Who knew? And so I loved it for that. and rambling. Yeah. And on top of that, it has everything. What's not to love? It has a love triangle, hand-to-hand combat. It has a drunken doctor. Um, and the age-old juxtaposition of religion and science in terms of God versus medicine, ultimately resulting in death. Although, okay, I never thought that he died at the end. Also, I never even considered it. Okay, so I should state now that I fully imagine Rocky Raccoon as a human-sized anthropomorphic raccoon. <laughs> 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 he's not a human. Please, Danny. <laughs> also, he's kind of a coward. Who comes up with a gun on someone unknowingly? Like 311 said, guns, guns are, are for, for pussies. pussies, man. I live by their word. <laughs> <laughs> 
I I've never even considered whether he dies or not. So mm. I hadn't either. I always thought that he was just like Gideon's Bible. I found God now. Um, and I also imagine if there is a God in the sky looking at Rocky, being like, Rocky, honey, she has You're a stage name. <laughs> <laughs> the performers don't love you. And <laughs> like, wait, 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 is is. Is Lil a stripper? Is she a, a lady of the I night? imagine that she is a vaudeville burlesque performer. In my head, I that is who she is. I have put this picture together correctly. Yeah. I, my imagination ran wild with this. Now I'm picturing like a frilly corset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's always how know, I like picture looking Nancy. O- leaning over the top of like the saloon. Mm-hmm. Like, hey there, cowboy. Porn whiskey. Yeah. yeah. Hey there, raccoon. Actual <laughs> giant here raccoon. Here comes this raccoon man. <laughs> Another reason that she's not in love with you. You're a raccoon. She's a lady. (laughs) (laughs) That, wow. Man, this song has gotten, has changed. This is the slippery slope that Republicans have feared. (laughs) 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 Julia, what what do you, what do you think about this? Where, where do you lie? Um, I, I very much appreciate an entire song about having a nemesis. Oh, yeah. This is <laughs> you and I relate on that. This is great news for me. Um, and if I ever had the gumption to write a song, I probably don't. So, like, don't hold your breath, people. But <laughs> if I did, it would most likely be the same subject. <laughs> like, listen, mm-hmm. my nemesis is out there. <laughs> we have to talk about it. She shot a man in Reno just because she was bored. <laughs> tired. I was tired. She was tired. I was tired and I had enough of his shit. And I was like, it's time for you to go. See, I find it interesting that this is a song that you're like, cool with. I don't. It seems to me like it's lacking things that I think that you want. Oh. It also has harmonica, so I'm surprised that you don't hate yes, it. Yes, because you also I hate love it for the harmonica. It's not loud, though. I hate the That's harmonica. True. I'm sorry. You are tired. <laughs> I really am. I can't edit that out now. I'm sorry. I'll start the sentence over. I hate the harmonica. I want you to note <laughs> that I yawned and You're Jonathan a, did it. You're a monster. I'm a pro. <laughs> uh, I hate a harmonica that's like loud and shrill and like super high in the mix. Well, John Popper's not coming on. Um, <laughs> But it like doesn't bother me in this. Like it's. It's like mixed mm-hmm. well, I think. I it's not my favorite. Like it's never going to be like a go to for me. But I think it's like pleasant and fun, and it's got a good story, and it's like completely unexpected. Like it's mm-hmm. s- something completely outside of their normal wheelhouse of what you expect from a Beatles song. So I think that keeps it fun for me. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of one of those that like lands in the middle of like I don't love it, I don't hate it. It's yeah. just like there, and I'll listen to it and enjoy it, and like. Do a little ba 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 ba. Do a little. If you don't want to do hands. a ragtime dance to that, you're broken. You're broken. One of the things I, I thought was interesting <laughs> is you know when Paul talks about Gideon's Bible, he doesn't mention he doesn't say it as like the Gideons mm-hmm. or to find a Gideon's Bible, mm-hmm. and at the end it's not a Gideon checked out. So he uses Gideon as a person. Yeah. And you know it made me think of how many times I've stayed in a hotel. And seen a, a Gideon's Bible and not known who the hell the Gideons were. So, Julia, can you please explain to me and our listeners who are the Gideons? So, the Gideons are members of Gideons International, uh, which is an official group with members. The members are Gideons. Um, 
They are in they're an evangelical Christian association founded in 1899. It's a really long time ago. That's when I imagine this song took place, by the way. <laughs> mm. I have more on that topic to come. Okay. Uh, it was formed by two traveling salesmen with the supposed goal of uniting other traveling salesmen for evangelism. They are mostly known for putting free Bibles in hotel rooms. And as, as of April 2015, they had distributed over two billion with a b bibles that is a bananas yeah. amount of bibles so they're just spreading the word and they figured yes. the traveling salesman life is the way to do it back when that was the thing when yes. that was a thing it's now a very it's... passive aggressive albeit resourceful sure. way to spread the word <laughs> yes well do... they they have gotten into trouble at some points because they're mostly known for hotel rooms but they also uh hand them out in various other places like on the street um, to doctors and people in the medical profession um, and they also like to give them out to students and they have been sued a couple of times um, school time yeah uh, what's that church versus state issues exactly there is you know that whole separation of church and state things so they have gotten into I guess not trouble per se but told Just to slap stop on the wrist no um, multiple times from schools i wish i thought this before do they have deals with the hotels to provide them or do they physically go stay at a hotel mm. and leave that bible in their room no they provide hotels with like boxes of books so it's like a deal that they have worked out with yes whatever you know holiday Inn. correct because you they actually like you're encouraged to take the Bible if you want to take the Bible and the oh, hotel will always have more. Yeah. Huh. They're like, if you need the Bible, take the Bible. There's more. They'll I've got it. several thousand copies of the Breton sound. EPs. <laughs> <laughs> Can I make a deal with a hotel to <laughs> leave them in their drawers next to the Gideon's Bible. Hilton, call us. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Motel six. <laughs> we're, we're, we're cheap. We'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I think it's it's a really clever trick that Paul does because it's almost like he introduces another character mm-hmm. with yeah. Gideon and you know. right, and, and it's it's good because it's such a familiar phrase. Mm-hmm. Like Gideon's most Bible. people know mm-hmm. Gideon's Bible, like it's the Bible in hotel rooms, and so it's like a familiar phrase to our ears. Mm-hmm. But then he sort of flips it, and you're like, oh wait, he's not talking about Gideon's. Gideon's like international Bible. He's talking about a person named Gideon left their Bible. Okay, so here's where it gets interesting about the take on whether or not he died, because I had never considered him dead mm-hmm. until I was reading more about it before this podcast episode. And somewhere I read that he looks at Gideon's Bible, takes it as a sign to release himself to God, and dies. And so I looked up who Gideon was in the Bible. And essentially Gideon is like, if you're familiar with like the book of Job or whatever, it's this poor sucker that God is like, all right, now do this dancing monkey. And he's like, whatever you want, master. And ultimately, like he just asks no questions, which mm-hmm. historically, as we know, is very healthy. <laughs> um, and so Rocky... Given the time frame, I think this happened. The whole ragtime Old West music scene. Penicillin was the first antibiotic ever introduced. Mm. Alexander Fleming, 1928. Shout out. 
Shout out. <laughs> um, call me. A Flem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, dog. He. Flem dog million. I- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was there. It just presented itself. I had You're to fired. <laughs> fired from my own podcast. Julia, take the microphone. <laughs> Edit that out. Julia will not continue the show, so this is it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, so I'm imagining that Rocky does not have access to antibiotics. He True. was shot with a gun. Yeah. Now, depending on the type of round that was used, hollow points were invented at this time and he it's possible if he was like shot in the gut he wouldn't have died on impact now he went in to see this drunk doctor schminking of gin (laughs) and the doctor was like yikes you're probably gonna die (laughs) rocky was like it's good it's just a scratch and he like falls back into his room and sees gideon's bible tis but a flesh wound (laughs) and like he really received no treatment. No bullet was retrieved, as far as I can see. Um, no antibiotics were administered because they didn't exist. Only to apply Neosporin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I should stop. Oh, anytime I hear Neosporin, I think of Kung Pao. <laughs> Have you seen that? No, I've not. It's so very bad. <laughs> Everyone's opinion of me if they go watch Kung Pao is going to go through the floor. Um <laughs> Anyway, they sing Neosporin in a really fun way. But, so, I am now kind of on the train that Rocky looked at Gideon as he saw Gideon's Bible and was like, like that of, guy of knew mercy? what to do. Yeah. Or angel of death. And just like, re- both, I guess. What's the difference? I, I don't know how it works. <laughs> he, like, released himself because nothing was stitched up. The doctor, even though he was drunk, was like, that's pretty bad. (laughs) And, like, didn't do anything. But. I'm going to go. Yeah. It doesn't look great. I got to tell you, bud. Doesn't look good. You know what's interesting? When I was researching this, um, there was uh, a woman who I believe was one of the group that are called the Apple Scruffs, who are these kind of super fan uh, girls that hung outside of the Apple Records office just to kind of, like, wait to see their guys uh-huh. you know in the late 60s and um you know they would give them gifts and you know they like were just like the hardcore fans that were like hey john good morning and like it was totally cool um one of them i believe wrote a book or maybe she worked at apple i can't remember what it was but she relayed the story that in 1966 paul had a moped accident right he fell off a scooter and busted his lip wide open mm-hmm. like Several days before they filmed the promo films for Paperback Writer and Rain, which is why he's got half a tooth in these videos. (laughs) But Paul told her, apparently, that the doctor that came to stitch up his lip was drunk and smelled like alcohol and did kind of a shitty job uh, stitching his lip, which is why his lip is all busted (gasps) up in that video clip and why he grew the mustache at the end of 66. Man, I thought that was was drug It was to cover this horrid, you know, stitch job on his lip. Wow. So the idea is maybe the idea of the drunken doctor came from that particular story. That's a little bit of autobiographical history in that story. Well, okay, germ theory did exist at the time I imagined this song existing. So if Rocky knew anything about anything, he would take that gin, pour Pour it it in the in the the wound, and get a fucking hobby. Like, martial arts or something. 
Stop shooting people. Let Nancy go. <laughs> Let her go. Stop dating strippers. Stop trying mom. to duel. <laughs> you don't need to shoot people over everything. I love that Dan was like, nice try. <laughs> pew, pew. I, I, when he went to the saloon and like approached Dan, was he like, this is a duel. Like, let's take it outside and do our four paces. And Dan was like, nah. No, I he think tried Dan just to pulled out and busted a cap on him. He right, like, but I'm Man. saying, was Rocky trying to be like, "Yeah, let's take this outside"? No, and Dan he was, was like, "Pew pew." There was no warning. Pew, pew. He pulled up <laughs> on Dan and was like, "I'll show this motherfucker." Okay, like, pulled his gun out and was ready to shoot. But Dan was like, "Not so fast!" I have eyes in the back of my head and shot him first. Okay, but Dan also did sock him in the eye, which he shot him and then he punched him. No, he punched him. First, when he stole uh, Nancy, right, right. Mm. and then that's why Rocky came back with a vengeful gun and to tried to take him out for punching him in the eye. Boo boo, she doesn't love you. Yeah, let her go. Yeah, that's why I'm glad I don't have to date anymore. Ugh, me so either, bad. man. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You know, I probably would punch a nemesis. I don't think I'd shoot a nemesis. But I definitely punch a nemesis. I don't think I even need to. I just do a glare, and they know. <laughs> they know yeah. better. They fucking know. I'm just saying, like, generally, no, that's my. Yeah. I'm just like, Ugh. too much effort. Uh, Not worth yeah. it. But if I was pressed, if I had to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. possibly. I hear you. That requires effort, though, which I don't like to give a lot of. Yeah, he put everything he had into finding Dan. Rocky, what do you do? I want to know. <laughs> like, what do you do outside of vengeance? He lived in the Black Mountain Hills, South Dakota. That's true. Raccoons, I we guess. We don't know anything are... about his employment. <laughs> <laughs> he has no employment of record. No. Is he like a minor? Mm. Could be. I imagine him in his 20s. How old do raccoons live? <laughs> <laughs> the lifespan of a raccoon. Actually, so I read somewhere that they based this character off Rocky Erickson of the 13th Floor Elevator. I saw that as well, yeah. Which I thought was super interesting. At least the name, as a, but not, maybe not the character. Yeah, because but. this is not at all a psychedelic rock song. No, not at all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'd have to think that the Beatles were aware of 13th Floor Elevators because You're Gonna Miss Me had been a hit by that point. I think they had met him. Had they not? I, thought, I don't know. I think they might have met him at that point. I don't know because... 13 Floor Elevators were like an Austin band, and the Beatles had stopped touring. Yeah, so, true. Now, granted, there were still like trips to America, but I don't know that they'd ever... Trips. <laughs> I don't know that uh, that like Austin, Texas had been on their on their reps. But, I mean, it's possible. I mean, you never Austin know. Austin wasn't weird yet. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh, you never know who they crossed paths with. Back yeah. In, in those days. yeah. That's an interesting... I thought that was an interesting read. Um, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean he spells his name differently, he but does. I wonder if Paul knew that someday Bradley Cooper would voice a character named Rocket Raccoon based on that song. Well, the other thing was, uh, uh, wasn't that comic out before the song? I don't think so. I think Marvel made that comic after. Okay. Unless I read that wrong. I don't know. I'm not a comic I think Guardians of the Galaxy was newer than the 60s, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't date comic book dudes anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I lost all connection to that world. Been there, done that. (laughs) Um, So, 
How do we feel about Rocky Raccoon at number 182? It's in my top 30. Oh, top, top 30. 30. Yeah, dude. It's in my top 30. And, okay, I understand what you mean about the lack of a chorus. I mean, I'm not, I'm not faulting anybody for it. No, like, no, no, no. It's I just know. surprising to me. I... What's your, what's your, you said that there was a nostalgia connection to it for you also. Because of the laughter I found the first time I heard schminking of gin. Because, (laughs) and it's not even that, like, that's not the funniest thing I've ever heard. Right. I was just like, what the fuck are these dudes? This is so good. (laughs) So it's nostalgic for me in that sense that I was in college Mm -hmm. at the time that I was listening to the anthology series and I had no reason to place it where it was i feel like i'm kind of lucky in that sense that i wasn't coming from it listening to all the studio albums chronologically i did not have the experience a musician has with beatles influence um and i mean in fact one person was like you don't know the white album and i was like no and now i have zero interest in finding out (laughs) (laughs) douchebag but you know now listening to all of the albums chronologically on the white album i i think that in the context of the white album it gets old you're like okay we i get it like this is every song could be in a different musical <laughs> like right. i think good night or whatever could be I in like, like a good julie night, andrews though. movie i like it but i like everything is there's a lot of that on the record it's so diverse and i <clears throat> i like it for that but I also didn't listen to that song in that context, plus any prior knowledge to how they had arranged songs previously or what they had done after that. I just knew random Beatles songs and mm-hmm. liked them individually for different reasons. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think Rocky Raccoon is in my top 30 because it made me laugh for the first time I'd ever heard a Beatles song and laughed. And because it it does fall flat like as far as musical diversity throughout the song Mm -hmm. but the story i think carries it and i like Mm -hmm. the story aspect of it whereas if i were to like you know other songs that i really enjoy are for so many different reasons like gritty stuff i like happiness is a warm gun or just peaceful calm i like here comes the sun Mm -hmm. romance i I love something. Um, So every, you know, every song that has meaning to me, I think falls in my top 30. And then if I'm just looking at it, like logistically (laughs) ranking music versus lyrics versus arrangement versus vocals, whatever, um, maybe Rocky Raccoon wouldn't fall in the top 30. Mm -hmm. But for personal affections, it does. I like it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think that like everyone's lists and rankings, like should you choose to do that, should like absolutely include your like sentimental attachments and personal feelings, like, and your personal feelings that are evoked because of a song, you know, like, I don't know, Norwegian Wood probably isn't the greatest song ever written, but it's my favorite Beatles song. Yeah. You know, like, because I just love it like we talk about how there's no chair to sit on and she says take a seat what i'm sure you'll get to (laughs) that you'll get to that somewhere else (laughs) that's far down the line line. line. but yeah i mean 
it, and that's you know music as a whole like mm-hmm. different music makes people feel different ways you know mm-hmm. and that's it's amazing it's I love incredible it. as you say at least every other episode music's great yeah. music's great music's it's great, so y'all. good have you guys heard music <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> it's so good it can make you feel things <laughs> well i think this is a good uh a good place to uh to leave mr raccoon you know i think my you've opened my eyes and the thought of it did, uh, does he die mm-hmm. i've never considered that and it makes me feel like do i even listen to lyrics <laughs> like <laughs> do i take in the words and the story or does it just blow by my face so now i'm intrigued well i think the ending of that is i that song and so many songs are it, he doesn't tell you. Yeah. It's left open to interpretation. So one person might think that he, you like you take yeah. all of the information that you know about the time that you assume that the song is set in. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, extrapolate an mm. ending to this story right. that he started. And I think that's why I think they do that intentionally and they call it poetry and art based mm. on that alone that anyone can interpret mm. whatever they want. Yeah. from these songs and they obviously have their own reason for writing them but it's never as cut and dry even with a very like specific story arc mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's still not cut and dry it's yeah. always open to interpretation i really like that I yeah i mean wonder... we've even had um what was the song recently that we did that we were talking about it before the show um uh the night before mm-hmm we did the night before like we were talking about it before the show and you we had sort of similar like assumptions about the story we were looking at it from different perspectives of protagonist versus antagonist yeah male versus female yeah Uh, Mm. so it's like so many ghoster versus ghosty (laughs) (laughs) i like that song because is it paul Mm -hmm. lead vocals yeah Mm, gritty gritty beard paul I don't. He wasn't bearded at this that point. This is not bearded, but Paul, no. I can imagine. <laughs> Just pretend he was bearded. <laughs> the ladies love the bearded Paul. We love sure do. the bearded Paul. Man, deal with it. You have a beard. He grew it when everyone thought he was dead. I will say that he was grieving. Or That's he was what just I found high on the deep dive. Also, shaving. he could be high. Yeah. Yeah. Could yeah. have been high. I um. I also have to wonder. If my quasi, I don't want to say dislike, but my my intent to put this song further down the the line mm-hmm. is due to my own experiences with raccoons. Oh, <laughs> having been having been mauled by a raccoon, physically attacked, ruined your raccoon. leg modeling career. Y'all, I'm gonna give y'all some behind the scenes ranking the Beatles history. Local man. Several years ago, in this backyard <laughs> we're sitting in right now, uh, there's a house behind ours that, to this day, is abandoned uh, post-Hurricane Katrina. And at one point, a family of, like, six raccoons were, were living in the house. So not abandoned. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, one night, you? we took I took our dogs out to uh, use the restroom, as you do. <laughs> and... Um, a raccoon charged and attacked one of the dogs. Being the dog lover that I am, the proud father that I am, 
fierce protector. Fierce protector of my boys. Can we talk about which dog it was and how he probably brought this on himself? <laughs> oh, it was Maxwell. He probably started the shit, too. He'd been probably laying tracks for this for days. Um, I jumped in to save my dog, got bit on the leg by a damn raccoon. I mean, I got fang marks on my leg. Any chance I had of being a calf model were, was, were, have, are gone. Because of that. So alternate is in, Jonathan. You have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's part of why I have it at one eighty two. Rabies is nothing to fuck with. It's not. Mm. I got the whole vaccination series. And it's a real literal pain in the ass, is it not? It's pain in a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> Both sides of the hip. It's rough. The injection site or the uh, the wound site. It is rough. Doesn't feel great. Uh, yeah. listeners, I would like to plug this week. Uh, don't get rabies. <laughs> it's a horrible disease. It's a horrible thing. For humans and animals alike. Horrible. I'm going to be, I'm, I've still got eight more years of my rabies vaccine, so Ooh. I'm good. Oh, yeah. I'm good. good. I'm good. So on, 182, we're, we're okay with it. Would you, would you put it higher? Oh, you, you're, you're top 30. Yeah. Julia, higher or lower? I think I'm good with it. Good with it here? There's a lot I'm to, also, though, a lot I'm surprised that it is at this number for you. I thought it would be higher for you because listening to the whole catalog, I have no idea if Yellow Submarine or all of the Magical Mystery Tour songs are included. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I'm very surprised. That not like <laughs> none not, of those. Not are the ahead second of this. half of Yellow Submarine. Not like the score yeah, okay. version. Well, but okay. all of all, the first half of that, and then all of Magical Mystery Tour. Are in. Yeah, uh, there are several songs on Magical Mystery jams. Tour. I understand. Jams, 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 yeah. jams. But just listening to the whole catalog, I was like, really, Jonathan? I, you did the entire catalog. I truly in preparation did. for Well, this. Abbey Road was easy. I already knew all sure, of those. Sure, sure. I did have that poster in my room in college. Sure. Because I really liked the conspiracy theories <laughs> surrounding it. I never believed it, but yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, George is a Paul Bear. Holy shit. <laughs> Paul's got his shoes on. Who's this guy over here? Oh, my God. I love getting yeah. into the album art. The license plate says he'd be 28 if he was alive. <laughs> so good. So good. Well. I think we're at a good place here for it. Do we want to move to some rapid fires? It's literally our name. Do, 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 of course do, do, we do. Do, do, do. Julia, do the rapid fire song. Rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I'm setting myself up for success. <laughs> you do you, girl. Thank you. I just wanted to sing again. Everybody else gets to sing. I love, I love it. I love when you sing. <laughs> Please go to bed tonight going, Rocky Raccoon. <laughs> Checked into his room. <laughs> I actually Only sing. to find rapid <laughs> fire. <laughs> I actually sing a lot, but Jonathan's the only one that hears it. I never sing for other people. I sing a lot around the it's house. Change one day, I'm Julia. very bored. <laughs> <laughs> I sing to the dogs a lot. <laughs> so do so I. It's fine. Uh, anyway, rapid fire. Uh, what is your favorite song at the moment? I think it's Here Comes the Sun. Like everyone else says, it changes depending on your mood and mm-hmm. time of day. But I always find myself coming back to Here Comes the Sun. It's just so happy and like lovely i don't mm-hmm. know it makes yeah. me feel good you can almost like feel the warmth i feel when it comes on the sun. yeah like it's just mm-hmm. it just sort of like emanates i don't know how yeah. like just you can just like no, feel yeah. sun rays like the warmth and coziness. It's just so nice yeah and from george of all 
Old dour ass George. Oh. <laughs> old don't bother me ass George. <laughs> old fuck my wife and I'll marry yours, George. <laughs> I'm not editing that out. I don't care. Uh, what is your least favorite Beatles song? Oh, ooh. I really don't like the honky dory stuff. I feel like Hey Jude and All You Need Is Love. Ooh. They're on my bottom five. Wow. And that's also not including the Yellow Submarine. (laughs) (laughs) The song itself? Not a fan? Oh, no. That song is fine, I guess. I mean, it's it's like kind of annoying, but it's fine. I, I really don't like repetition, though. And hey, Jude is not your jam. It is not my jam. It really is not for six minutes. No, I fast forward through that part of across the universe. (laughs) It's not my favorite. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, What is your favorite album? Abbey Road. Now that you've listened to the whole catalog, Abbey Road. It's Abbey Road. It just has my most favorite songs, which are surprisingly from George. Yeah. Not that. Whatever. I feel like he gets a bad rep. He's a I better can see it because you know when I think of people thing. and I think of the quiet one, I think of you. Me? Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I was like Jonathan. <laughs> my God, let me introduce myself. <laughs> not, in the, not in the slightest. <laughs> uh, do you have a least favorite album at this point? Um, I guess now having listened to the entire catalog, I don't know if I could tie up 1963 to the first half of 1965 in a bow. No, I take that back. I like a hard day's night. Yeah. Album. But, or Help, whatever. Which one is... Well, they're very different albums. They're different albums? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, I like the Help album. Okay. So, I guess A Hard Day's Night and Prior. Okay. I could just, like, tie them up in a bow and they're one album to me. Sure. So, okay. it's it's okay. not my least favorite. I really love a lot of the songs on those albums. I guess it it's kind of hard to pick a least favorite because once they made Rubber Soul, which... I will have you know, I was always like, oh, the Toadies named an album after them. Cool. It's Rubberneck. <laughs> it's not Rubber Soul. Nice. Um, after Norwegian Rubber Soul. <laughs> well, it's just so hard oh, man, to song. place them, I, I think. Yeah. After, because they have, their whole album is so, the songs vary so much that I can't rank the albums like i think ranking i feel like every musician is on here is like man how do you rank the songs i don't know how to take them out of the album yeah but for me i'm like how do you rank the albums mm-hmm. it's so there's every album is a whole different universe like mm. but and what's i mean weird that is, being said i love abby Rose. what's weird <laughs> is if you haven't heard like the u.s version of rubber soul it's a whole different album right yeah like different track listing what do they call it yesterday no and- it's it, well th- so there's still there's still Rubber Soul. There's the okay. American version of Rubber Soul, which starts off, instead of, like, Drive My Car, it starts with I've Just Seen a Face from uh, Help. So then the one ch- that Jim Sturgis sang to me specifically. There you go. Got it. There you go. Love that song. So um, good. So then they took some of those songs and put them on Yesterday and Today, along with some tracks from Revolver mm-hmm. and a couple of singles as well. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Is that the one where they're butchers? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I wish that... This was a visual medium sometimes because that podcast where your friend had that album. Had like the legit OG yeah. Butcher cover. I need to see a picture oh, of that. Did you post it? No, we didn't take a picture of it. Okay. Actually. Ask. Can, hello, people who were Jack on that Angie. episode. <laughs> can you please post a picture of that? Thanks. 
Yeah. I won't rob you. That I was promise. pretty impressive. I was like, I want to go to your house. I <laughs> promise really I won't take it. I'll stay at least five feet away. I just want to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> six feet, Jules. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, sorry. Six feet. You're right. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Too close. Uh, what is your favorite memory associated with the Beatles? Okay. I thought about this beforehand because I have a favorite Beatles memory, but it's not actually a Beatles memory. Again, I feel like is a common theme on your podcast from <laughs> guests. Um, there was a time where it was just my mom, my sister, and me in our house. I was like six and seven years old, and we had the very old school wood paneled walls and we had these gray yes. sofas that were like my, they weren't microfiber, but if you like rubbed them one way, they were a darker gray and oh, you yeah. rubbed them the other way and they were lighter gray. And we had this green rug. And I just remember everything about that living room this one night. So intensely. And my mom had a record player and she put on Don McLean, American pie. And Oof. That song, I know, it's but like it has minutes long. It is very long, it's but we had so song. much fun. Just the three of us. Just you hate repetition. <laughs> that is the most repetitive, long ass song. It also has a very. It tells the story of the sixties. And then the we whole... sing another verse. But I liked going on this verse. I liked it because my grandpa, my mom's dad, used to take us to the levee by his house, and we would slide down on cardboard boxes like you do. Mm-hmm. So it was fun because of that. But also, I, of course, at six and seven years old, I didn't know shit about the 1960s. So it wasn't like, oh, fuck, yeah, fuck Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> it was which oof, infectious disease thing that I can tell you about regarding Vietnam. If Ooh, you're interested come back to that, um, that I later in high school, I had a teacher who said that her mom was with Don McLean in a bar somewhere and Ooh. he was writing those lyrics on a napkin and left it and she gave it to him or the bartender ran out after him and was like, oh, this looks important to you, which I feel is very Lincoln Emancipation Proclamation, so I don't know if that's <laughs> accurate, but <laughs> I... <laughs> Uh, but she told us that regardless. So I like went home and looked up what all of the lyrics actually meant because mm. I knew the song and it was just like a, a ditty that reminded me of my mom and my sister in that time. And we probably had Taco Bell for dinner, so it was extra great. Mm. <laughs> and they talk about Helter Skelter and Bully, Bully, wow, Buddy Holly and I know that that was a huge influence in a lot of the early Beatles mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. And um, they talk about the birds that were also very close to the Beatles. And so I just connect that whole song to the Beatles. And when I hear it, I don't think Don McLean and Vietnam in the 1960s. I think of that time that my sister and my mom and I were in our living room just having the time of our lives listening to this song on the record player. That's interesting that your your Beatles associated memory is not a Beatles song. Yeah. How funny. <laughs> Sorry, Beatles. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. When I think of that song, I think about um, – because I genuinely, like, never super liked that song. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I get w- it. He was kind of smarmy yeah. about – especially about Bob Dylan. I, you know, I didn't pay that much attention. It was just kind of yeah. like I knew the chorus because, like, you learn it from the time you're five. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was in – 
I guess this was probably like 10th or 11th grade. And I was in the high school chorus. And during our concerts, like you could do like a solo thing. Mm -hmm. And this guy was like, hey, man, I want to do American Pie. um, And I'm getting a band together to do it at this at the thing. Like, would you be in the band? And so I was because I played drums at the time. He's like, you play drums. I'm like, sure. All I knew was like the three minute single version. And he intended to do the entire eight. And I didn't know because we never rehearsed. It was like, just learn the record. So I just looked, I knew the song. Like, I yeah. knew, like, the verse and chorus. I'm well, like, the good thing fine. for you is that it's the same thing and for you. And my Raymond. God, it just kept going. I'm just sitting there like, good Lord, how long is this fucking song? And then <laughs> I'm like, this thing is like eight goddamn minutes. <laughs> Jesus God. It there just are kept exceptions going to the rules. Going and going. Yeah, so that song's always like. I understand. I understand. Sore spot for you. <laughs> yeah. American Pie and Raccoons. <laughs> Get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah. Um, I want to also, before we wrap up, uh, you brought like 10 pages of notes oh, to this Oh, I fucking came podcast, prepared. Which is Wait, you mentioned like so Vietnam. Well, you, I, I want to, uh, there's, what, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to touch on? Oh. Because you've got a lot there. Here, let me browse through here. I had a lot of information about heroin addiction and opioids if you all were interested for the sake of john lennon um actually oddly i do have a connection to the beatles through science because george died of lung cancer yeah also had throat cancer which i am positive was from hpv interesting because i feel like you know people always always attribute always attribute his death to lung cancer and mm-hmm. i think the previous bout with throat cancer gets kind of lumped in as mm-hmm. like the same thing yeah it's very much not yeah um hpv causes cancer in very specific areas um and lung cancer is not known to be caused by a virus mm-hmm. and he I think ultimately died from metastasis to his brain, but you know, had he lived in a different time, there's treatment now where it wasn't, you know, he may not have died the way that he did. Although they, they caught it really late. Um, so it's, even if there was a treatment, it's probably, it probably wouldn't have worked on him at that time. But because he had lung cancer, that relates to my project directly because one of the non-AIDS defining cancers that we're interested in studying is lung cancer. And we're actually in the middle of trying to make a really cool 3D tumor sphere of lung cancer cells to assess the differences between HIV infected versus uninfected patient cells and how they interact with that lung tumor environment to determine if the HIV-infected population, that particular cell type of theirs, really does lend to more inflammation and more, um, you know, creating more of an environment where a tumor can thrive. Mm -hmm. So we're using lung as the model and George just so happened to die of lung cancer. Maybe that's still a reach, but it's, (laughs) it's interesting how nothing is that different. I think it's interesting when, you know, 
when you can personify something that is so yeah small on a literally on a like cellular like microscopic level mm-hmm. when you can personify that and you know think of someone that you know or know of or mm-hmm. love their work that died of that thing like that gives you you know that that frame of reference that i think is yeah when things get super monotonous and mm-hmm. you know become you know work you know it's good to have that i guess frame yeah. of reference to think of oh, and science is fucking hard like 90 percent of the time yeah. shit doesn't work yeah because it's that's why it's science it's a yeah. whole method mm-hmm. it's you know if you get perfect results every time you're fucking lying <laughs> um so it's definitely it's why it, a phd takes four and a half to five years um and is part of what keeps you going thinking about what the people could have accomplished had this had like had there been this sort of treatment sure because honestly george's solo career is i think the only one that i actually followed somewhat Mm -hmm. um not that i'm like if i could only have saved him of lung cancer (laughs) um but it just it it is interesting to think about like not necessarily you know famous people but like people you know like there's tons of people that go Mm -hmm. and do healthcare because they had an experience or someone they yeah. love had an experience and they want to try to fix that. Yeah. You yeah. know, no, or I certainly like, think of people who are afflicted with this particular virus, people that I love, um, hoping that if like, how cool would it be if I were able to figure something out that led to a therapy down the road that could help them live an even better mm-hmm. life than they are now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely use references and everything because otherwise it just becomes numbers and statistics. Mm-hmm. And I think when you get lost in that, you lose a lot of a lot of the meaning. Right. And it helps, I'm sure, keep you going, too. Yeah. Of like, yeah, this failed again. Like we got not the answer we were looking for again. Mm-hmm. But I want to keep trying because mm-hmm. like. I want to know what's possible for these people that this yeah. could help. Like maybe it's someone I know. Maybe it's someone I don't. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's famous. Doesn't. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just some random person out in the world who is loved yeah. by people and they'll be helped by hopefully something that I can discover yeah. along the way yeah. of this. And I have to, I have to think process. of that because I get yeah. so frustrated when certain things, do. I've been setting up one experiment for the last six weeks and it, I've repeated it at least 15 times but the experiment is very complex and if one thing is off just a little bit you have to redo the whole thing and I have multiple times and I've called this company that makes these products that we use and it's like a whole process but at the end of the day I go home and I'm like ultimately if I get this to work I can collect data that will advance this field even just a little bit mm-hmm. to help these people. And that's really the driving force behind all of it. It's why I got into science in the first place. It's, I mean, I, I love the basics of it. It's cool to me outside of the context of humanity. But when right. you add people into it, it's really the driving force yeah. for why I keep going. And even if you don't like single-handedly cure cancer, like you might yeah. discover something 
that someone can build on mm-hmm. the next person. Yeah, who comes that's after the whole you. idea. I never yeah. expect to have a Nobel Prize winning <laughs> discovery. Oh, I mean, I'm that would be amazing. You. Oh, this episode's gonna get nominated. I gotta <laughs> For this what? This is the moment. This is the one. This is the one. Most trash ass <laughs> guest of all time. <laughs> no, I, that I think what you're doing is is super fantastic and and, and inspiring. Oh, and uh, we both tremendously appreciate the work that you do. Guys, and of course. Uh, this is also the part of the show where we ask if you have anything you would like to promote. And uh, since you don't have an album out or anything like that, <laughs> although you are a fantastic visual artist. Thank you. You should have an Etsy store. Oh, maybe I'll start I'm just that. saying. We have. We should make prints. We have Celeste Originals the in The Queer our house. Eye painting that you made us. Oh, Jonathan Van Ness has HIV. He announced that a year or two ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's HIV positive, yeah. Johnny, baby, hit me up. So there you go. Let's hang out. Yeah. I'll get you coffee. Well, you get me coffee. I'm a grad student. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you're wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> so anything you want to plug while you're here? Um, I guess I would just like to say if you have an opportunity to get a vaccine, please get it. Yeah. Um, I understand people's trepidation about it though and i'm not here to shame anyone for not wanting it i feel extremely privileged to have had access to it and i did get the pfizer vaccine same um but yeah it there's a lot of fear around it and i'm here to tell you to not be afraid it's a very cool on friday i did i had shot two on friday i went for a 5k run yesterday so i was fine putting us to shame <laughs> I had, it didn't feel I great i will say that. i was down for like five days of just like i feel bad i didn't i was just exhausted yeah. for like the 24 hours following the shot well i guess six hours after like 30 hours maybe mm. it, i was just exhausted um and then I stayed up too late watching Across the Universe too many times. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be hyperbolic. You were fine. Like, you just had, like, a low-grade fever. Yeah. And just, like, you know how, like, when you have, like, a minor cold yeah. or something, that's how you felt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't. You feel like you're about to get sick. Exactly. Yes, that's but what you We went from, like, random totally errands Saturday yeah. morning. And by the time we got home at, like, 11 or 12 i'm like i'm done for the day i'm mm-hmm. tired yeah and which I, is I fine with me right and it is different for everyone sure. and i would i i mean if you have if you're not pregnant or nursing because i also very much understand people's fear of that based on the lack of evidence that they have mm-hmm. i personally don't think it should be an issue but i'm not a fertility specialist and i'm not your doctor disclaimer so. ranking the beatles is not responsible <laughs> if you are pregnant yeah <laughs> You're not responsible. (laughs) Yeah, I would. I would just advocate for people to get the vaccine if they are so lucky to be offered it. Yeah. At any point, any of the vaccines, really. These these really go through stringent testing. I know it seems like they were rushed, but the way that they did this, usually it takes several years Mm -hmm. for these phases to occur, and they kind of tiered the phases and allowed for licensing a bit earlier but it's also because the mrna vaccine specifically like i said earlier it's easier to make doesn't Mm -hmm. take as much time and i feel like the sort of the basis for that type of vaccine was already developed it was and so they just by those companies yeah yeah like they just had to like figure out how to cater it specifically yeah and like the technology for stabilizing rna 
within a cell foreign rna within a cell like that was created decades ago they're they're putting things together in a way that it's proprietary for these specific companies Mm -hmm. but um it's i i I don't want to say it's I don't want to say anything that I will be held liable for, but I just want to advocate to get the vaccine if you have the opportunity. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Look, if you've been to like 99% of the bars in New Orleans, get the fucking vaccine. I've been to Nick's on Tulane. I'm getting the vaccine. Have you, have you, have you been to Miss May's? You may qualify I, for I her get vaccine. The vaccine. It's unfortunate because I know that so many people are like, dying to get it and they can't wait to get it and you know i hope that distribution can improve significantly Mm -hmm. especially with johnson and johnson adding their version of the vaccine on novavax has another vaccine coming out that's neither mrna nor adenovirus but it's a it's similar to the process of both it's not a, a foreign process um the you know multiple people are coming out with multiple types of vaccines so pick your pick the one you want if you get the opportunity and um again no shame if you're worried about it whatever dm me i'm oat milk (laughs) (laughs) on instagram i am definitely in the category of people that cannot wait to get it um wait oat milk it's it's a play on words i never caught that yeah it's like hot milk and oat milk in one i love it i never (laughs) double space in the middle I'm not. I, I never pay attention to the lyrics. Apparently, <laughs> is Rocky dead? I don't know. Is Celeste oat milk or hot milk? I don't know. Anyway. I'm anonymous from my university. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well played. Well, with that in mind, friends, I think we're going to call it an evening. How do you feel about Rocky Raccoon at 182? Do you agree? Too high? Too low? Or is it just like baby, baby. bear jewels? Bears. Baby bears porridge. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> trying to establish a new thing on I'm the show. Sorry, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> Man, maybe you should get some sleep. Go to bed. Okay. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, let you us know what you think. First. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any porridge. I don't want porridge. Did you buy porridge when you went to the grocery store? I today? didn't. No. Porridge oh. is just oatmeal, guys. <laughs> well, we is have. It, I thought it was different. Is it? Is it cream of wheat? Have I been mm. wrong? I think cream of wheat's different. Real time fact check. Fact check. Fact check. What the fuck <laughs> porridge is? What is? What is I did not see this night. <laughs> Science and porridge. I also can't wait to hear how fucking awful my laugh is on a recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so oatmeal is a type of porridge. Huh. So all oatmeal is porridge, but not all porridge is oatmeal. Oh my god, we didn't talk about Vietnam. No. <laughs> well, we'll have to have we'll you save back. it for another episode. So we'll save it for another episode. It's really interesting and important. Yes. Well, keep your notes. Okay. Oh, I, oh, I'll keep them. With that in mind, gang, we are going to sign off for the evening. Be sure to follow us on all of our socials at Ranking the Beatles on Facebook, at Ranking the Beatles on Instagram, at Ranking Beatles on Twitter, because character limits are for jerks. Uh, so until next week, I am Jonathan. And I'm Julia, waiting for you to give us a five-star review. Yeah, <laughs> nicely done. Celeste, thank you for being here. We love thank you. you. Thanks, love you. You're the best. I love y'all. We'll see you all next week with a brand new episode. Adios. Bye, y'all. <laughs>